Welcome in. This is your Tuesday scramble for February 15th, 2022. We are indeed presented by Prize Picks. I'm Rick Gabe, and that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, happy, uh, happy Genesis week. This is a great stretch of sport and sports, quite frankly. Is this like the eighth time this year where we ask, is this the true start of the golf season? Um, because I think we're gonna, this is the first week officially. I know we had the bye week in between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, but this is the first week where it's all golf. Football's done. Um, and I cannot wait for this tournament. I love this golf course and it's right in my backyard. Yes. And I'll be there definitely Thursday, maybe Friday TBD. So I'm hoping you and I can, uh, can cross paths. I know there's actually, um, about a dozen people or so have reached out and said, Hey, I'll be there too. Looking forward to meeting you guys. If I can connect with you. Which was a blast last time at Tory when we got to meet some of the listeners too. So absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm super excited and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up. We'll cross paths. I'm sure we will. Um, prize picks no longer have to pick an over and an under. You can now roll out unders exclusively overs exclusively. It's now live in Virginia. It is simple, but complex. It's props. It's easy to understand, but I think there's an edge to be made. The, the promo code that you're looking for is Rick. It is a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And I always like Andy. So I saw this for the Super Bowl. I always like when, um, you know, sites that we partner with, which are few and far between do right by their customers. So I saw that, uh, when Odell Beckham jr was injured prize picks, they refunded all of the entries that he was a part of, which is always, you know, listen, you don't have to do that, right? If you're, if you're a, a, a sports operator, a sports fantasy operator, you don't have to do that stuff, but it's nice when they do. It's incredible when they do. That's surprising to me, but I'm not surprised based on the people over there at uh, Prize Picks and my dealings on them. Remember when uh, Patrick Reed, they refunded Patrick Reed bets at Torrey Pines a year ago? Some sports books did that. I, with that one, I was like, ah, I don't know, man. Yeah, there's some hairy ones. I think the o the Odell Beckham Jr., uh, I think it cost him like one and a half million bucks to... Uh to refund all that, which is like, listen, Hey, a million and a half bucks. You don't have to give back to the biggest to, in the biggest sporting event of the year, but it, uh, yeah, I don't know. makes you feel that's how you get customers for life. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, hopefully we're, we're, I'm certainly a customer for life uh, now at this point. So hopefully we, uh, we turn some more friends on to prize picks because I've been having a blast, uh, with these over-unders. I think there's a real opportunity there with a lot of them. Like I think some of the lines feel a little soft to me in yeah. some spots and, and we'll, we'll get into that very shortly. Yeah, I agree with you. We're going to have a, a, a prop segment in just a bit, but let's, let's do the Phoenix open recap real quick. Scotty Scheffler gets it done, breaks through for the first time on the PGA tour. He'd been knocking Andy, right? He was knocking at the door, knocking at the door, knocking at the door. Finally, it opens for him. Good to see Scotty cash one in. Yeah, I think the reason why I was on Scotty last week was I went to the Ryder Cup and I it, it seemed like that atmosphere really brought out the best in him. Mm -hmm. um, I followed him and Rom during that singles match. Um, him and Bryson really seemed to feed off the crowds together. And that's what made me think, okay, what's the only atmosphere all year that is somewhat comparable to the Ryder Cup is Phoenix. And once again, like he, it really seemed like he thrived in that environment. And I think we're both pretty high on Scheffler. It's hard not to be high on Scheffler. I mean, yeah. he has done such a great job so early in his career, even before this win at finishing in the top 10 and 15 of majors um, and WGCs and FedEx cup playoff events. And to me, that's a really big deal. So I'm really glad to see him get on the board um, Xander needed that one too, pretty badly, yeah. but at, at least we broke the, can he win thing with Scheffler? Uh, the, the short-term and long-term kind of, um, positive takeaways for Scotty Scheffler. One, he beat Brooks Xander can't lay in a playoff, right? I mean, it was, there are sometimes when, when guys win on Sunday and no offense to, you know, the, the players outside the top 100 in the world, but that that's kind of the top of the leaderboard, not 
even remotely close to the case last week with how strong the leaderboard was all week long, especially uh, the final holes on Sunday, and then to beat Pat Pat Cantlay in a uh, a playoff after missing a putt in regulation, a five footer in regulation to end it. I thought that might have cooked his chances. So that's one big positive that I take away. And the other one you nailed. The major championship contention already, the the success that he's had in major championships, like there is definitely a large line between playing well and contending at PGA Tour events and playing well and contending at major championships. And Scotty seems to be ticking off both those boxes. Yeah. Do you think that um do you think he's the type of guy that is going to like where do you where do you does this change how you feel about him versus like the Zalatoruses and the Sung Jays and that like does he does he rise in your ranks a little bit um, because of this win or or where does he kind of fall for you? I don't think so. I just think you know I was fairly high on you know he, he went to the you know four years at Texas and then uh, the the Corn Ferry year like he's he's more seasoned than some of the younger guys and he had so many close calls and we talk about it all the time how hard it is to actually win how everything has to go in your favor so no i i actually don't think it changes my perspective on him at all because this 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 was expected that that he was eventually going to break through soon yeah better career scheffler or zalatoris scheffler i think he's already had a better career and um it's not like he's a scrub with like, he's, he's a very aggressive golfer and we have seen um, the putting woes from Zalatoris. Like, like if that lasts like another 12 months, like I'm worried about that. Yeah. I would probably side with Scheffler too. I think that Scheffler has a more complete game than Zalatoris. Like I, I think there's going to be weeks where Zalatoris is going to lose six, seven strokes putting. And I don't think Scheffler is necessarily going to do that. Um, but Scheffler also has like spike weeks with his putter. Scheffler is, he's a good putter. So I would probably, I'd probably agree with you there. I think both those guys are still a little bit in a lower tier than like Hovland and Morikawa. Oh, for sure. And Zalatoris was not really even a prolific. When he was destroying the corn fairy, he wasn't like winning. I think he had one win that year that he he broke like every record on the Corn Ferry. So it it is it is kind of interesting. We'll see how that plays out. If possible, uh, a more per, per, um, impressive performance came from someone who was not the winner, Sahith Tagala. Uh, this dude, Andy, I was waiting for the the Friday morning ejection when he bogey bogeys his final two holes on Friday morning to complete his first round, and the first round leader goes to KH Lee. That was your absolute prime ejection spot. He should have shot a 76 on Friday. We should have never talked about him again. Man, he really won me over this week. I mean, I was always um, I was always pretty high on his talent. He went to Pepperdine and he won the Haskins Award. And the Haskins Award is, that's like a very prestigious honor. That means you're the best college golfer in the country. Um, and you look at the list of Haskins Award winners over the years, uh, it's Rom. It's it's just a lot of good players. And so whenever when I saw that Sahith won the Haskins Award, um, that's a lot of pedigree, right? That's that's a lot of pedigree. But watching him hang tough, and this wasn't the first time that he contended. By the way, he was also in the mix at the Sanderson Farms. Of course, at the Sanderson, he wasn't having to deal with guys like Xander and Cantlay and Scheffler and Brooks. Um, but I think what's so awesome about Sahith Rick is that a, he seems brutally honest. Um, he seems like he really cares. I mean, watching how emotional he got after losing, that was pretty cool to watch and and pretty eye opening. And a little bit with Sam Burns, the thing I liked about Sam Burns was at a very early spot in his career, he was getting in the mix consistently. He was in the mix on Saturdays and Sundays. Now he wasn't playing well when he got into the mix, but he just kept continuously tasting it and tasting it and tasting it. And of all the new guys and the super young guys and the rookies, like Sahith is tasting it. I don't mm -hmm. care how he plays on Saturday and Sunday. Um, the fact that he's tasting it at such an early age is really encouraging to me. Yeah, he was 
very clear that he was nervous on Saturday and Sunday when he had to play with like Brooks in the final pairing. And uh, obviously the emotion that we saw afterwards uh, is awesome stuff. But yet there were so many moments, you know, getting up and down on what 18 on Saturday was unbelievable. He had a lot of like five to 10 foot putts that were like, if he misses this, it's over. And he made them all. And really the shot that cost him the drive on 17, Andy, wasn't that bad like Terrible it was bounce. a good shot what a bad bounce to bounce hard and bounce left yeah terrible bounce and oh you saw it in his face too and i think he, he said it. this in the in the post run interviews like i thought i i thought i executed i thought i hit a really good shot right and um you know that's that's just how it goes sometimes in golf but man i think he's i think he legitimately i don't want to be a prisoner of the moment here but he feels like he has top 20, you know, star. I don't know if I want to use the word star, but um, he feels like he has, he's going to be very, very relevant. Yeah. I think the difference is because you're right. I think if this was any other golfer ranked 319th in the world, I'd be like, you're out of your mind saying that, but it is the season. I mean, he was what the number one amateur in the world at one point or top five mm -hmm. at least. And then the, the Haskins, like he has a pedigree and we're starting to see the growth on the PGA tour and the trajectory is, um, quite exciting. So if there, if there was anybody else ranked outside the top 300 and you were talking about top 20 upside, I'd be like, you're nuts. But I, I, I believe because of the pedigree and what we've seen it, it is, it is reasonable to say. Last question on Sahith before we move forward to Genesis, because we got a ton to talk about with Genesis. Yeah, but we have a lot. Are you I, have you been able to kind of figure out like what his identity is as a golfer? Do you think it's kind of too early to determine that? Because the sample size is very small, but looking at the stats, like he seems very well rounded. Like he is mm -hmm. a very good short game. He's a very good putter too. He can get a little wild off the tee, but I, I can't really figure out, like I'm trying to determine what type of golfer he's going to be and is, you know, what he's going to be best at. Is he going to be a guy that is going to play a lot better in difficult conditions? Is he a guy that's going to get to 25 under every week? Have, do you kind of have a sense of where you see him uh, profile wise? I, I don't. I think the only thing I kind of see him, profile as is a real feel player. He is not technical, right? You almost get a different swing every single time. He's very handsy, which is a volatile way to, it's almost like Bubba Watson, right? When Bubba's going good, it's great. When Bubba's going bad, it's going to be terrible just because it, it's, you know, there's not many checkpoints in the swing. It's like, let me just go out there and whack it and kind of see what happens. And I'll use my creativity and I'll just use my feel and I'll, and I'll get around. So I would, I suspect if, if, if you kind of just take what he is right now and start to project it out the next five years, I think he's going to be very volatile. I think he's going to have a lot of great finishes. And I think he's going to have some stretches where he struggles because of that, that feel style of golf. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to figure out too. It seems like he loves the West Coast too. Um, I, I think he's probably this time of year. It's he's always going to be a threat. Um, and I'm a, very excited to see how he follows it up this week at Riviera because he's in the field now. Yeah, right back out there on Monday at the Riv, uh, getting his practice rounds in. Quick one and done update, and I would love for this to just be quick because it, it, I, I mean. I'm 0 for 5 the last five weeks. I have not made a cut this season, which is always uh, scary. So I had, unfortunately, cursed Victor last week. He goes out, misses the cut, $0. I got away with it because you went with Corey Connors for 35000 And Andy, I believe you were debating Connors and Scheffler in the moment. Do I remember that correctly? Oh, I sure was. Yeah. That was my That was my first real messed up. That was my first me saying, you All right, said I'm, I have such a lead. I'm going to go against my game plan and I'm not going to take Scotty. I'm going to take Corey Connors. This was me being cute. This was me. You know, I, I was, I'm I was dancing a little bit, right? Like I, I, I was a little high on my own supply there. So I'm going back. I'm going back to the formula. Uh, we're getting back to uh, to the we're sticking with the rules. Um, I, I I obviously was able to get away with it, right? Like on the surface, me using Corey and you using Hovland and me winning the week is a good thing. Uh, but I had the opportunity to really put my foot on the gas, and 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 it was a misfire. 
you're still in it, wreck. Like it's not, you're oh. still in it. You know, how, you know how much the winner share is this week? 1.2. Try 2.1. They have, wow. they, they have injected a ton of money into this purse. It's now a $12 million purse. So it's nearly $2.2 million. I mean, Max Homa only quote only won 1.6 last year, 2.1. So there is plenty of dollars left to be had. Oh, wow. Okay. Now I'm even, wow. Seeing that person now, I may even have to change my pick. Um, all right. Yeah, we got a, <laughs> uh, it should be fun this week. You've got an opportunity to get right back on the map. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, break down Genesis. We're going to break down the rib. We're going to talk about the field, all that good stuff. We've got to do props. We've got to do one and done. There's questions in the chat. Keep them coming. We'll, we'll answer those here shortly. Uh, but first we're going to take 30 seconds and start with all that stuff on the other side. Remember Andy Lack is not only the co-host of the scramble, but also produces his own show, the inside golf podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS and betting strategies for every PGA tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. The Genesis Invitational, the top 10 players in the world, all of them, every single one teeing it up this week at Riviera Country Club, which for my money, Andy, is just one of my favorite spots on earth. I mean, the the routing, the true test of golf that it is going to ask from these players. I mean, it is, it's truly a beauty. Yeah, I, uh, and we've lost Andy. All right, we'll give him a second to pop on back in here. I assume he just accidentally exited himself out. I have done that countless times. He was so excited about Riviera that he ejected himself from the podcast. I'm that excited too. So we'll give him just a second to get back in here and I'll vamp for just a minute. Obviously, uh, here he is. Andy, you were so excited you couldn't even resist just uh, pumping yourself out of this out of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. My computer froze uh, for a second, but we're we're back. We're ready to go. You teed me up on Genesis, if if yeah. I remember correctly, and the Riv, yeah, and the Riv, yeah. So this Rick is one of I think the seminal uh, works of the 20th century in terms of architecture. I think this course is um, it's pretty pristine in terms of what it's asking you to do and. Uh, the type of routing uh, that it has. It's it's a pretty special place, in my opinion. And I think part of the reason why you see such a great field, it's because of the course. It's also because this tournament is now put on by Tiger Woods. Um, but this is the first time this year where we are getting to see uh, on the PGA Tour, at least guys like Rory, we're getting Colin and DJ. And it is, I think we've got all 10 of the top 10 players in the world. And they're going to a course where if you don't have your best stuff, it will expose you. Like I remember Rory missed the cut badly last year. JT missed the cut badly last year. So this is the first real week where I think we're getting like a real litmus test on how the elites stack up with the masters 80 days away. Is it too easy to say that you need a complete game here obviously the fairways are hard to hit the greens are hard to hit but we've had conversations before that when that kind of happens you need to lean on your short game a little bit more like what types of golfers are you thinking are bound or more frequently going to have success here i personally would lean more towards short game like i, I do think that riviera isn't a course where you want to be a specialist, right? You do need to be firing on all cylinders for the most part. Like if you do look at the leaderboards, um, it's not a lot of guys like gaining nine strokes putting and losing in every other category or nine strokes on approach and being neutral in every category. So I think that's where people get the idea of you need to be well-rounded. And that's true, certainly. I did find a much stronger correlation between around the green uh, this week than normal. And I Riviere's 15 minutes from my house. I've never played it, but 
all of my friends luckily have. And the one thing that they always say about Riviera is the bunkers are really difficult there. You're inevitably going to hit less greens than you usually hit. And I think the stats really bear that out too. So I would say, yes, if you have any glaring weaknesses in your game, Riviera is going to expose them. But I do have a little bit of a heavier weight this week on short game. Yes, and my regression model also returned the same about around the green play. That club grabbing Kakuya certainly can wreak havoc as well. No Dak, too many. Hey guys, I recently heard strokes gain around the green is a difficult stat to interpret because one shot can drastically affect the overall number. Is this generally accurate? How do you, you use sh- uh, strokes gained around the green on a week like this? Astute question, Andy. Do you have a take on this? I've got a couple of thoughts. Yeah, so this is a great question, and I know you and I have talked about this before, Rick. I can't remember uh, if this was on my podcast or the scramble or whatever, but somewhere, (laughs) somewhere, we do a lot of talking. Um, But I think that around the green, one thing I noticed with around the green is um, you're right. Like if you leave a shot in the bunker, that is going to affect your strokes gain around the green far more than if you hit a bad wedge that lands 50 feet from the hole. Right. And you see guys like Bryson, sometimes Bryson can lose like two strokes around the green on one hole. If he leaves two in the bunker or skulls a chip. Right. So I do think that you need to be a little bit careful with around the green sometimes. And like we've seen before, like there's been weeks where Hovland has gained lost like nine strokes around the green you know, half of that can come on two or three bad shots. So I do think take it with a grain of salt and maybe look at it over a larger sample size, if that makes sense. And also if you chip in, instead of leaving it to six inches, you have just like significantly increased your strokes gain around green uh, in the other direction. The other thing is, Uh, You usually get a smaller sample size of shots per round and not everyone is taking the same number of shots per round. So it should actually be on a per shot basis is how we should be looking at around the green. But the more that you kind of look the, you know, the guys that you think are good around the greens, the Hideki's, the Justin Thomas's, the John Rahm's like over time, that's going to continue to bear itself out. But yeah, it is of the strokes gain stats, Andy, it's the most flawed strokes gain stat, right? And I think, I mean, I've listened to, so the guy who invented strokes gained is, is a guy named Mark Brody, I think brought us or something like that. Mark. Brody. Yeah. Mark Brody. Yeah. So he, he's talked about before how the next evolution is yeah. um, trying to get better around the green in terms of degree of difficulty. Right. Because there's, um, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of variance in, in the difficulty of off the tee and, and, on approach too, and putting with slopes, but around the green, like not all chips are created equal and, uh, players are approaching those chip shots with different, um, like there some chip shots they're trying to chip in some chip shots. They're just trying to get within five to 10 feet. So I think that there's room for improvement with around the green, but I think at kind of a macro level, I think it's kind of relatively easy over a long period of time to determine who's got a really good short game and who doesn't. Um, so those are, I'm kind of looking at the guys that I think over a large sample size do. Yeah. Strokes gained uh, V2 is, a, is supposedly supposed to also take into account topography, whether you've short-sighted yourself, things of that nature as well, which should be um, difficult, but exciting when that eventually does make its debut. Okay. We've got to start getting into matchups. We got to start answering the questions from the chat. So make sure you've got them in there um, right now so that I don't skip them. And we've got to prop it like it's hot. We've got to talk about props, but we're going to do that, Andy, in 30 seconds. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Let's prop it like it's hot. This is our opportunity to go through the board over at Prize Picks and find some valuable props. And we've been pretty good at this. And Andy, I think that 
you mentioned it. There, there are kind of a few ways that I think we can exploit this a bit for this week. Um, do you want to start with your first prop and where you landed? Yeah. So I feel like we're always picking on Matt Kuchar on this show, I know. I know. <laughs> but, but you look at some of the players that Kuchar's surrounded by in the selection set prize picks has, and I just don't think he's in that class right now. So I went under 11 greens in regulation and we've, talked about this a little bit, but greens and regulation percentage at Riviera right around 57, 58%. So all players just on average are hitting around 10.2 greens per round. And Kucher at this stage of his career is just straight up a below average iron player. He's 91st out of 120 in this field and strokes gain approach. His best iron week of the season was plus 0.4, right? So you're getting a number that even an average to good iron player at Riviera historically would have a difficult time reaching. Um, and now you get a below average iron player like Kucher. I thought this one was a really easy one. Yeah, I like that. And I also focused on the birdies for this week. So this is uh, this tool that I'm showing on YouTube right now. It's available on my website, rickrungood.com. It's free. It's underneath data tools. You can go mess around with this. Um, well, essentially, uh, so Andy, Riviera is is kind of unique that it is a difficult golf course in aggregate, but there are the, the par fives are very, very easy. Like number one is one of the easiest holes on the planet, uh, on, on, on the tour schedule and 10 plays under par plays as an easy hole. There's some big numbers that you can make there, but there are like some, there are some very easy holes. And I think there's a path to a lot of guys hitting the over on their birdie or better prop, but maybe the also the over on their score prop, right? Like you could have three or four birdies or five birdies and shoot one or two over or just one or two under, right? Just because there's a lot of hard holes lurking as well. Yeah, that's a really good angle to take. You're right, because you have one, which is one of the easiest holes on the PGA Tour. You have 10, which is a drivable par four. You have two more par fives, 11 and 17. Um, but then you also have this giant run of like oh my long God, and difficult yeah. par fours, 18, 2, 15, just really hard holes where the scoring average is like 4.1, 4.2, 4.25. So I love that angle. Yeah. So, so the way that I've done this is I focused a lot on birdies. The first one being Sung J M, which as we speak right now, and this probably won't last is Sung J M over three and a half birdies. He's made at least four in 16 of his last 20 rounds. He's 17th in birdie or better this season. And again, this is him taking advantage of the, of the par fives and then finding one more birdie and he could shoot even par and make four birdies. I don't care about that. I just care that he takes advantage of the easy hole. So I'm going to take Sung Jay over three and a half for round one, which I should clarify. These are all round one props. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I'll go with my next one. Yeah. Um, so we've been going a lot towards the greens and like relation. The birdies are better. Um, the fairways and stuff like that. So I want to mix it up a little bit and just go with regular strokes. And I was looking at Tony Finau under 70.5 strokes. Um, the over-unders on strokes did feel a little bit high to me. I know that Revere is really hard, but one thing that I was thinking about was it tends to get a lot harder as the week goes on. That is definitely correct. Yes. I, so, I thought about that too. So if you're going to take over or unders for strokes, I would lean towards taking maybe the unders on Thursday and Friday. And then when the course firms up and they start giving harder pin positions over the weekend, maybe shoot for the overs. So I don't think shooting one under par in round one is a bridge too far for Finau. Like on Friday in Phoenix, he gained one and a half on approach and one and a half off the tee. So I think last week's miscut is a little bit uh, deceiving. And I think Finau is actually trending in the right direction. Thursday and Friday morning unders on score feel like the place to be living, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then like we even saw it. In Phoenix, too, like once these courses firm up over the weekends um, and they start giving some of those Saturday and Sunday pins, like the scoring average gets harder at most places, right? So I, I think, you know, guys can still shoot under par at Riviera. You know, it's 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 not a bridge too far by any means. So I was looking at the unders over the, kind of the first two days. I think that's super sharp. Okay, uh, my final one 
is also going to be in the birdie category. It's Morikawa. So he's currently at 4.0, four even birdies. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the over. So he has not even played particularly well here, like in terms of results. I think he's got like a 26th and a 49th or something like that. But he has uh, never made less than three birdies in his eight rounds here. So that's kind of the blueprint, right? Is that you can make birdies. You can make three, four, five birdies but you're going to offset them with bogeys. This prop doesn't care about that. Doesn't care about the bogey side of it. So I'll go with Morikawa over four birdies. Half of the rounds he's played here, he has um, made four or more birdies. And of course, it's a small sample size this year, this season, but he is third in birdie or better average. So it's just... You don't see this every weekend. You know, easy courses, a lot of the holes are easy. Hard courses, a lot of the holes are hard to get one where the, the I actually looked this up. Um, Kiowa was kind of like this because it depended on the wind direction. When you were playing into the wind, it was the nine hardest holes on the PGA Tour schedule. And when you were downwind, it was like the nine easiest holes. And that is rare outside of something major like that happening. Yeah. And the good thing about Colin two is he's going to hit a lot more greens than probably most guys in the field this week. So he's going to have a lot more chances, of course, on the holes that he misses the greens. Um, that is worrisome. And he may make some bogeys cause he's not the best bunker player in the world, but I love the idea of Colin to have kind of a volatile round at a place right. like Riviera where he probably makes more birdies than a lot of players in the field. And he also gives a couple back when he does miss a green, I love that one, man. I think that's a really good play. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm seeing in the chat, you got to move fast on these. So Eli says, Sung J M's uh, line was three and a half until Rick sent out the newsletter this morning. Oh, sorry, boys. <laughs> got to act fast on these, I guess. Market movers. Yeah. I think I notice it every single time because you send over the outline usually the night before. And so I fill it out the night before. And then I always go in and check the morning and a lot of the numbers move. So yeah, get on them now. It's still only Tuesday morning. I think we'll see some more movement on those round ones. Yeah, I, I agree because when they dropped these on Monday, I was like, Ooh, these feel off. And I think they're going to correct it. And I think they're going to correct it. Um, definitely for round two, round three, round four. But I think this is a good opportunity. And I like the way that Andy is saying this is obviously going to get harder. There, there's a lot of edges to be made this week. If you want to get involved, the way to do it is with the promo code Rick. That is, the link is in the description to sign up as well. I'm loving prize picks. I'm loving the props. Uh, obviously, I think there's a big edge in it. And that's a uh, 100% instant deposit up to a match up to 100 bucks. We got a lot to do, Andy. We got to do head-to-heads. I'm going to take these questions from the chat here in a second. We've got to do our one and done picks. Uh, we got plenty of time. All right. I'm going to hit an ad real quick, and then um, we're going to roll through the stuff in the chat. So keep it coming. Caesar Sportsbook has a new awesome offer for those who haven't signed up yet. They'll match your first deposit with a free bet up to $1,500 when you deposit at least 50 bucks. That means if you deposit $500, you'll get a $500 free bet credit. It's one of the best offers currently available. And this offer from Caesars and more offers from BetMGM and BetRivers are available at rickrungood.com slash bets. Find your state and find your offer. More states being added often. Good luck. All right, let's run through some of the questions in the chat here real quick, Andy, because I want to try to keep this as interactive as possible. Alex asks for season long, something we don't get asked about a lot, Aaron Wise or Bubba Watson? What side would you prefer? Whew, that's difficult. Um, probably Bubba, I think, because Wise is going to play more. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I just trust Bubba more so at, um, you know, he's going to have his courses, right. And Riviera actually happens to be one of them too. So I think that, you know, there's a high probability that he'll be in the mix here this week. I think there's a high probability he'll be in the mix at the travelers, um, and the masters as well. And, uh, two of those three are really, really big money events where I'm not sure I see Aaron Wise contending at majors at this point. Actually, is is Wise in majors? Like, what are, I'm trying—I don't ha know off the top of my head the world golf rankings of both of these guys. Is Wise going to play the WGCs? Is Bubba going to play the WGCs? Well, there's only one WGC anymore. It's just the match play. So you just got to be <laughs> in the right. top 64. Uh, Wise is 80th, so he's not really in in the big boys as of right now. 
Yeah. Okay. I, well, I think it's I think it's Bubba as well. And I'm a why I'm a a wise guy is what I was gonna call myself. But like I I love the way this is going for Aaron Wise, but it's no sure thing that he just continues to get better with the putter and continues to be great for like that's not a sure thing. Bubba has his sure thing tracks that you alluded to. Um, and he's qualified for what base and, and honestly, he's his ball striking numbers have been great recently. I think I I I hate to say it, but I think the answer is Bubba. Yeah, he gained like over seven strokes on approach last week in Phoenix. Right before that, he finished runner-up at Saudi. So Bubba's playing some really good golf, um, and I would probably lean Bubba there as well. AZ wants to know, would I be crazy to go three big dogs and three in the 6K range, DraftKings-wise? I don't know if, uh, what he defines as big dogs. Maybe three guys 9K and up, I imagine, is probably the path that you would have to go to get three of them in your lineup because you couldn't get three guys in the 10k but um how do you feel about the ultimate stars and scrubs this weekend andy i love it because first of all i think it's very hard to differentiate at the top i think it's really hard to make a case against rom right now against jt right now against Cantlay, against hideki rory i mean the list goes on there's so many good players at the top and the idea of being able to get yourself in a situation where you can play Rom, Xander and Rory in the same lineup. If you're able to find some gems in the six K range. Um, I like that build strategy. Will wants to know what you think about the Aussies, Smith, Leishman, Adam, Scott, Cam Davis, Matt Jones, Min Woo Lee. You can actually make a full lineup out of just the Australians. This has been a decent comp uh, says, Will, what do you think about these guys? Okay, so I talked about this is a thing, Will. I talked about this in my Sunday podcast, but um, the philosophy of golf courses and the way that they water golf courses in Australia, not to get too into the weeds, it's a different philosophy than how they do it in the United States, right? Australia, they don't really believe in watering their courses that much. So courses in the sand belt play really, really firm and fast. And Riviera plays really, really firm and fast. So I do think that there's maybe a correlation. And, and Adam Scott has talked about this before, where he said Riviera reminds him of courses in the sand belt. And we've seen guys like Adam Scott, Mark Leishman has top fives here. Cam Smith has has top fives here. So I think you're on to something. Well, Joe says the last 16 winners here have all had a T six or better at pebble Tory Riv before their win. He is now blocked and reported because that is not uh, predictive, not predictive <laughs> at all. Uh, let's see. Just saw a stat that the strength of field is higher than the 2020 masters. Can you explain how this is calculated and how high the OW how the high strength of field, my bad, how you approach one and done. I don't think it's that high. So 2020 was, uh, was DJ's win. It was like seven something. This week is going to be a 696. I'll tell you what, it might be higher. 696 this year or this, this week. And, uh, DJ's win was, why can't I find this quickly? Dustin Johnson, 2020. Oh, because well, it was in November. That's why. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think. Did any of 61. The, yeah. Because I was going to say, did any of the big guys miss that Masters? No. Brooks, maybe. But... So it, it is It is impressively strong this week, but it's not a, a, a Masters field. The way it's calculated is there's a whole write-up on the Official World Golf Rankings uh, website. They take into account uh, every golfer, what their home course is, other events that they've played in, how they've played in them. It's just a complex uh, calculation that they assign a number to. Anytime you get over like 500, you're into Memorial, Invitational, WGC, 700, start to be your major championships, 800, 900. That's like your high-end, you know, PGA championships, U.S. Opens, Open Championships, stuff like that. So uh, I use it quite a bit, Andy. Strength of Field is a pretty good tool because um, the things that change every week on the PGA Tour, uh, course and field. And if you're not taking them into consideration, I think you're doing it wrong. It would be like, you know, college football or college basketball when they talk about common opponents. Hey, these two teams haven't played each other, but they both played this other team and won one by 30 and one lost by 30. Like there's, there's something there. And there's a real strategic element um that you could kind of employ in one and done where you could kind of rank um 
the tournament purses and the strength of fields and basically just go completely by the book and use that to determine what you do on the one and done board every single year. So I do think there's a ton of merit to looking at these fields. Matchups. Let's do it. Last week we were both two and three, which moves your season long total to nine and six. And I'm six and nine, Andy. So we will look to get a winning week under our belts here. Let's start with a couple of big names, a couple of guys who've had decent weeks recently. Jordan Spieth versus Brooks Kepka. That's matchup number one. What side would you like, sir? I hate both sides. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not playing either of those guys really, but I'm going to go with Spieth. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't do that. Um, you know, the case we could also play a game. This is, this is, we, there's another segment for another day. That's called like make the case, which is like, Hey, I'm just going to like make the case for this guy, make the case against it. The case for Spieth is creativity and short game. The case against Spieth is he sprays it all over the yard and is in trouble every single hole. That's the, that's the case. Um, Kepka, I'll take, I'll take the Kepka side. I'm not thrilled about it, but Harder course, deeper field, tends to be Kepka special. Also, he goes the way his irons go, his irons and wedges, and he hit some shots last week that were unbelievably beautiful. And that's just my eye test watching on television. Um, so I will take, I'll take Brooks here, but with quite little confidence. Yeah, he also found the putter right? Like the putter really started going for him in the right direction as well. And, you know, I, I don't really put a ton of weight into Brooks's quotes, right? Right. But it does <laughs> seem can. like, yeah. yeah, it does seem like maybe the confidence is back a little bit with him. A little bit of a swag to him. Uh, by the way, shout out producer Mina. She picked these matchups. So, uh, hopefully they're, they're good here. Um, not, o not only did she pick those matchups, she is in real time updating the outline with them. She is just really elite stuff from a producer standpoint. She opinion. also, yeah, she's also keeping track of all the standings and stuff like that. So yeah, she's doing, she's doing a great job. Cam Smith versus Will Zalatoris. Cam Smith, can the respect on Cam Smith this week, Andy? Well, like when you look at the odds board, um, let's see, 25 to one at Caesars, which is the same odds as Victor, Rory, Scotty, Xander, and Will pretty surprising there at, at DraftKings earlier. I don't know what the number is um, at the moment, but he was like 18 to one and he was shorter than some of those guys is, is, is this the guy the books don't want you to bet? Like what's happening here? I was thinking about that. There are a couple guys this week, like Fitzpatrick's odds are, are, are pretty low compared to what I thought that would be. Um, yeah, I could see it with Cam Smith. I mean, I'm going to take the Wills Alatora side this week because I am, so enamored with what Zalatoris is doing from a ball striking perspective right now. And I think Riviera is one of the hardest courses to putt inside 10 feet on those fast Poa greens. So Zalatoris' biggest weakness, like everyone's going to be missing putts inside 10 feet. So Cam Smith scares me, especially like the Australian thing and how good his short game is. But I'm still going to ride with Willie Z this week. You're going with the when putting's hard for everybody, it benefits the bad putter strategy, which I like. I always which like. I love. Yeah, I always go there. <laughs> I'll take the Smith side. Um, yeah, you've got the comps to the Aussies. You've got kind of firm and fast. Uh, short game is 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 splendid. And I I don't always do the thing where, you know, the line is talking to you and I should be listening, but there there's something weird happening. I'll take I'll take the Camp Smith side. Uh, a couple of big boys at the top for matchup number three. The biggest of boys, John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay. I could not rave more about these two. They've been absolutely splendid. Good luck trying to figure out what side you want. I'm going Rom, and I don't feel great about it. Did you know, Rick, Rom gained 12 strokes ball striking last week? Yeah, he lost, he lost like, I don't know if it was through three rounds or four rounds. He lost like three strokes putting, which is so, unheard of. Yes. Okay, so can you name off the top of your head, don't cheat, um, that was the second best ball striking week of his entire career. Um, can you name the first? I'll give you a hint. It happened recently. It happened towards the end of last year, and it was also a tournament that he did not win. 
Okay. I mean, I, my first guess was Memorial just because he had a six shot lead and to get a six shot lead, I thought maybe it was ball striking, but now I'm not so sure that's the answer. Yeah. I don't think that he is getting credit for those stats. Either. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah. It's not actually, Memorial. All right. Well, I won't, I'll, I'll look it up cause I might have his Memorial stats because I pull it round by round, but I'd have to check. Um, he did not win. And he had a great ball striking week, and it was at the end of last year. And the guy who did won almost won at Riviera previously. The Northern Trust? There you go. Was yeah. that it? That was it. Yeah. God, Second, so good. Yeah. So basically, like what Rom is doing right now from a ball striking perspective, and I, it's just, I've talked about this before a bunch on, on my podcast too, but his inability to match up the best putting weeks with the best ball striking weeks um, is the reason a, why he doesn't win more, but B his floor is so high because of the ball striking. Um, I'm going to take Rom here again. Don't feel great about Cantlay has talked about how much he loves this golf course. Cantlay low key architecture guy, love Patrick Cantlay for his mm. architecture takes, but he played Riviera a bunch when he was at UCLA. Um, so he loves this golf course. He's familiar with this golf course, but I'm going to side with Rom just based on the fact that he's a, relying a little bit less on his putting right now than Cantlay. Yeah, so here's here's Rom's stat profile. So he uh, had not lost over two strokes putting uh, since the WGC Workday. So that's almost a year ago. That's what he did last week at Phoenix. I do have his memorial numbers here. So this is only three rounds that he played, and he gained almost 13 and a half strokes in the ball striking <laughs> categories before having to WD. So that is, yeah, I mean, he gained 21 strokes on the field in three rounds. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, no, that's that's nuts. He was up by he was leading by six, right, going into that final round. Yeah, yeah. So you knew it had to be you knew it had to be a, a big number. I will also take the the uh, Rom side of this. So I actually I saw Rom was ten to one, and I was like, I should, I should bet this. Like that was my first. I that was the first time in a long time I considered betting it because I hate betting the six to one, seven to one, eight to one, but. Like this win is coming and 10 to one's the longest we've kind of seen in a while. If this dude wins before the masters, we're, we're just going to see five to ones every single week. I agree with you. And it's so tough this week because I thought about that too. I saw like Rom 10 to one. The question you just have to ask yourself is you can get, because Rory and Colin have two next next to their names. You can mm -hmm. get one John Rom or two Colin and Xanders, or two Colin and Rory's, or two Rory and Xanders, or two Rory and Hovland's, or two Xander and Hovland's. So that's kind of the questions that you have to ask yourself this week with kind of the way the odds are. I ended up going with the two of, but I thought long and hard about it. Hideki Matsuyama versus Rory McIlroy is next. I'll go first, and I find this to be the hardest one because... Hideki is not getting credit for literally being the best player on the PGA tour for the last 20 or 24 rounds. Uh, but man, I just love the way Rory sets up here. I could flip a coin. Give me a well-rested Rory. I'll take Rory. I'm going Rory too. I I'm going Rory too. He's been playing really well on the European tour. Just hasn't been able to close. I'll take Rory. And then finally, it leaves us with a couple of young guns. Victor Hovland off a miscut. Colin Morikawa coming back from the DP World Tour. I'll go first, to be fair. Um, God, I love Victor. But the, the, the answer, I believe, is Colin Morikawa. And I'll take the Morikawa side. I'm going with Morikawa, too. I don't put a ton of stock into Hovland's uh, miscut last week. I think that's going to happen. You know, there's he won three times in five starts, so we're going to see some regression a little bit at some point. But uh, I think this is such a good spot for Morikawa. Um, so I'm worried about both of those guys. He's short game a little bit here. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll side with Colin here as well. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. If these guys are the, the path to success for both of these guys is hit like 68 greens and never worry about chipping or pitching or anything like that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, which Andy leaves us with just one final 
thing to do. Uh, it's the one and done. I'm a million and 300,000 behind. Do you want me to go first or do you want me to go second? I already have my pick in the outline, so I will not change my pick. I think I should probably go first because I have the lead. I'm going with Justin Thomas. I think this is a pretty good spot to use JT. It's a big purse. Uh, I feel good about how I've structured it so far where I still have some, some guys that I want to, uh, that I will be able to deploy at the majors Um, just to keep track of. So the listeners can know who they should really pick just like last week with Scheffler. I was Hmm. very, very, very close to going with DJ and I went, I changed it to JT at the last minute, which probably means DJ is going to win, but I'll side with JT here. Yeah, DJ and JT, both of them, I'm I'm pretty stoked about for this week. I'm just trying to make a dollar. I'm trying to break through and find a weekend. I will do it with Bubba Watson. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think I've I've tried to get cute a couple of weeks. I think when you get an opportunity to take a Bubba track while Bubba is playing well and not only playing well, but like when you dive into the advanced metrics, it is more sustainable than kind of usual Bubba. I'll I'll do it. Engage Bubba around Riviera, creativity, give me bubs. Just strategy-wise, that's probably a smarter pick than where I'm going to because you have to think about where else are you going to use Bubba. Okay, you could use him at the Travelers. I guess you could use him at the Masters. But um, I but he's Yeah, but he's not going to be he's not going to be below 35, 40 to one at the masters either. So, you know, you're using a guy at the perfect spot for him. Whereas you could use JT at basically any event going forward. So I like the Bubba pick. Justin Thomas and Bubba Watson for Andy and I, Andy, any final thoughts before we get out of here on this Tuesday scramble? I don't think so. I'm super, super excited for this tournament. Um, If you're going to be there, let us know. Come say hi. Uh, We'll be there probably Thursday and Friday, at least one of those days. And uh, Rick, can't wait to see you soon. Welcome, an early welcome to Los Angeles. Los Angeles welcomes you. Thank you. An early welcome. I appreciate that. I'll be there shortly. The other item is that uh, Friday's scramble is actually Mm. going to be a Saturday scramble. So we'll do round three preview, round three props, all that good stuff. But with travel... Um, wasn't going to work out on Friday. So Saturday, same time, which is 12 PM Eastern will be our scramble. That's the housekeeping item. The other item is, um, prize picks. The code you want is Rick. That's 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks and, uh, helps you helps us helps them win, win, win. Otherwise we will see you on Saturday or we'll see you at Riv, depending on if you're going to be there or not. Follow Andy on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can follow me at Rick run. Good. Goodbye.